Chapter Seven of Hoof and Claw. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Roeg Eleven. Hoof and Claw by Charles Roberts. The Runners of the High Peaks. Motionless upon his knife-edged pinnacle, the great brown ram stood poised, his gray, uplifted muzzle outthrust toward the sunrise, as if he would sniff in its rose-red glories as they flamed across the ice peaks of the jagged horizon. The enormous, corrugated spirals of his horns lay back over his neck and shoulders as he stood, and his arrogant eyes of black and gold appeared half shut as they searched the jumble of peaks, ravines, and lake-dotted valleys outspread in still confusion beneath him. The silence in his ears was absolute, save for the occasional throb of thunder from a waterfall leaping out into the light of dawn a thousand feet below and heard only when some wandering eddy of air pulsed upward from the depths. There was no enemy to be descried, either in the still-shadowed valleys or on the brightening slopes and steeps, but the stately watcher kept his station, immovable, staring as if physically hypnotized by the immensity of the vision that filled his eyes. Then, at last, a white-headed eagle, passing low overhead, yelped at him defiantly. He paid no attention to the challenge, but the harsh, thin cry seemed to break his trance. He dropped his head and glanced down at the narrow, table-like ledge just below his pinnacle, where another ram, smaller and less splendidly horned than himself, with six little spike-horned ewes, cropped the short, sweet grasses which grew in the clefts of the rock. Far down in the shadow beneath the wild ram's peak, a white tent glimmered beside the misty coils of the stream which threaded the valley. It was quite too far off to give the ram any concern. Even his sagacious and penetrating vision could barely make out that a man had stepped forth from under the tent flap and now stood motionless beside it. His confidence would have gone to pieces in uncomprehended terror had he known that the man, with a pair of powerful glams to his eyes, was studying him minutely and could see him as clearly as if he were not more than a couple of hundred yards away. Pete Allen was prospecting. Smitten with the wanderlust, he had struck clear across the continent from the spruce woods and rich river meadows of New Brunswick to the gigantic mountain chaos of the Rockies in British Columbia. In New Brunswick, he had been a hunter and guide. Now he had forsaken the trails of moose and bear and caribou to seek the elusive 
color in the sands of the mountain streams or the unobtrusive outcrop of the quartz that carries gold but the old instincts were still strong in him he felt the lure of a splendid and unknown quarry he coveted the magnificent head of that calm watcher on the peak and having heard that the wild mountain ram of the rockies was an extraordinarily difficult quarry to bring down he itched to try his old eastern woodcraft in this new chase and win the prize unaided he had two indians with him as carriers but he was determined that they should have no part in this hunting after he had well studied through his glasses the lay of the ridges and ravines about the peak where the ram was standing he re-entered the tent for his rifle he stuffed some cold meat and hardtack into his pockets told his indians that they need not expect him back before night and started up the course of a small stream which seemed to come from the shoulder of the mountain as soon as he plunged into the thickets he lost sight of the watcher on the peak but he had laid his course and he pushed on confidently working around the mountain so that he might come upon the quarry with the sun at his back when after an hour's hard work pushing through matted thickets and crossing jagged gullies he came out upon a knoll which commanded a view of the peak he saw that the great ram had disappeared but this did not trouble him as he felt sure he would pick up the trail in course of time up the high ledge below the peak the spring grass was sweet but there was little of it the mountain sheep cropping hungrily with their short eager bites soon exhausted their high pasturage they lifted their heads discontentedly whereupon the old ram whose supercilious eyes nevertheless missed little of what concerned him stepped mincingly down from his pinnacle between the edged summit and the ledge where his flock pastured was an all but perpendicular drop of smooth-faced rock smooth as it looked however his dainty and discriminating hoofs were able to find some unevenness upon it for he took it in two effortless leaps and landed among his followers with a shake of his splendid horns then he led the way down the naked steep now flooded with the level radiance of the three-fourths risen sun toward the fresh spring pasturage along the upper limits of the timber belt he took no pains to choose an easy path this light-footed runner of the aerial peaks along dizzy ledges that looked no more than a track for lizards or a clinging place for swallows he led the way without pause or hesitation the flock in single file at his heels from ledge to ledge he dropped over hair-raising deeps of transparent air with a precision and ease that made it seem as if his sturdy frame was as imponderable as the air itself he ploughed down chutes and funnels of loose stone the debris of the rock walls above he sprang carelessly over crevices whose bottoms were lost in blackness till at last 
the young-leaved birch and the sombre jointed fir lay just below him skirted by the steep ribbons and intersected by the narrow glens of greening turf at this point the wise old ram began to go warily in this remote corner of the rockies the hunter's rifle was as yet practically unknown on the ultimate heights therefore where none could follow him but the eagles and the falcons he had no enemies to keep watch against for the eagles he had small concern except just at lambing time and even then each ewe mother with her short spiky horns and nimble razor-edged hoofs was quick and able to protect her own little one but down here along the edge of the timber were the dreaded enemies the wolves the mountain lions the black bears and the grizzlies the temptation of the new grass was one not to be resisted but the price of it was an unsleeping watchfulness of eye and ear and wits the uppermost fringe of grass where it thinned away into the broken rock was scanty and stunted but here the great horn leader elected to do his own pasturing while the younger ram stood guard the spot was a safe one being several hundred yards from the timber and bounded along its upper edge by a broken steep which offered no obstacle whatever to these light-footed peak runners but was all but impassable except at a crawl to the most agile of their foes if the gaunt gray timber wolf should come darting belly to earth from the woods for all its swiftness the flock would be bounding lightly far up the steep as if lifted on a sudden wind before he could come anywhere within reach of them when he had quite satisfied his own hunger and with lifted nostrils sniffed suspiciously every air that drew upward from the woods the old ram led his flock farther down into one of those steep glens where the grass was more abundant or rather instead of leading them he shepherded them before him keeping them all under his eye and himself guarding the rear while the oldest and wariest of the ewes prick-eared and all a-quiver with suspicion led the way questioning every bush and every shadow but there was no hint of danger anywhere to be discerned and presently the flock was pasturing greedily on such sweet herbage as they had not tasted since the previous year while on the hummock near the bottom of the glade at the post of danger the ram kept watch turning his head continually but enthusiasm over young pasturage may make even a mountain sheep absent-minded from time to time the flock straggled straight away it would close up again drawing away from the thickets then in a minute or two more it would open out fanwise as each impatient feeder followed up some vein of especially luscious herbage just at the point where the slope of grass was intersected by another and narrower glade almost at right angles to the first a heedless young ewe had branched off a score or so of paces to one side up the cross glade 
lifting her head suddenly she realized her isolation and started to rejoin her fellows at that same instant a lean gray shape shot noiselessly from the underbrush straight in her path and leapt at her with wide jaws with a bleat of terror she sprang back up the cross glade and then frantic at the prospect of being cut off from the flock she wheeled again and tried to dodge past her assailant the wolf understanding her tactics and absolutely sure that she could not escape him headed her off without too violently exerting himself he knew that here away from her steeps and pinnacles she was no match for him in speed and he knew too that once she saw herself deserted by the flock her powers would fail her in sheer panic for a few seconds he almost played with her then getting her fairly cornered in a bend of the thickets he sprang savagely for her throat behind him meanwhile the flock went bounding by headed for their high refuge last came the great ram snorting with wrath and fear just as he was passing he saw that final rush of the wolf he saw the young ewe penned in her corner he heard her shrill despairing bleat the look of fear faded from his yellow eyes leaving the rage only it was not his wont to pit himself against the mighty timber wolf because he had no morbid taste for suicide but this young ewe was a favorite just as the gnashing jaws were about to snap upon the victim's neck something not unlike the stroke of a pile-driver caught the wolf fairly on the crupper aided by his own spring it lifted him clean over the struggling ewe's back doubled him together and dashed him with stunning effect against a tree slowly he picked himself up to see his quarry and the great ram just vanishing up the glade far beyond any such pursuit as he was at the moment equal to with a shamefaced air he glanced about him there across the glade stood a tawny puma eyeing his discomfiture through narrowed lids this was too much tucking his tail between his legs he slunk off into the underbrush having gained what he considered a safe height among the rocks the ram halted his followers upon a jutting buttress where they stood huddled about him and stared down resentfully upon the grassy glades such was their confidence in their lord and in their own powers of flight that they were none of them particularly frightened except the young ewe who had had such a narrow escape she trembling and with panting sides crowded close against her rescuer who for his part kept scrutinizing the edges of the timber to see if the enemy were going to follow up the attack he saw no more of that enemy but he caught a glimpse of the tawny form of a puma gliding into a tree thereupon he decided that this part of the mountain was no place for his flock he turned and made off straight up the steep till he had put a good mile between himself and the point of danger then dropping into a ravine till their course was quite hidden from all hostile eyes in the timber 
he led the way around the mountainside for several miles on a high ledge secure from any unseen approach the flock rested for an hour or two chewing the cud in peace in the vast silence of the bare and sun-bathed peaks when once more they descended to the timber belt and its seductive pasturage there were three or four miles of tangled ridge and ravine between them and the scene of their morning's adventure in the meantime pete allen weary with climbing sore with disappointment tormented with as many flies as his own new brunswick backwoods would have let loose upon him at the worst of the season beginning to wonder if the hunt of the mountain sheep was as simple an affair as he had fancied it after climbing all the morning he had failed to gain another glimpse of the great brown ram at last however about noon he came upon their trail leading down to the grass with a long breath of relief he stopped drank at a bubbling icy spring ate his cold bacon and crackers and smoked a pipe the trail was none too fresh so he knew there was nothing to be gained by rash haste after his pipe he followed the trail down to the glades his trained eyes soon told him what had happened the encounter with the wolf was an open page to him Having satisfied himself that there was nothing of interest left in that patch of timber, though all the while the puma was eyeing him with curious interest from a great branch not far overhead, he took up the trail of the flock's flight and started once more up the mountain. Sweating heavily and angrily brushing the flies from his eyes and nose and ears, he managed to distinguish the trail for a couple of miles along the difficult ravines but at last at the root of a precipice which in his eastern judgment was quite impassable to anything without wings he lost it irretrievably arguing that the flock must sooner or later return to their pasturage he picked his way on a long diagonal down the mountainside traversed a succession of grass patches which showed never a trace of hoof-print and at length found himself in a bewildering maze of low abrupt ridges dense thickets and narrow strips of green glade from all that allan had been able to gather as to the habits of mountain sheep he concluded that this was about the last place in the world where he would be likely to find them he began after long self-restraint to curse softly under his breath as he glared about him for the most practical exit from the maze all at once his face changed the anger faded out from his shrewd light blue eyes there was the trail of the flock leading straight down the steepest and most uninviting of the glens it was a fresh trail too so absolutely fresh that some of the trodden blades were still lifting their heads slowly from the hoof-prints gee muttered allan seems i don't knows much about these here critters as i thought i did and he slipped noiselessly back into the cover of a thicket his problem now was to keep the trail in sight while himself remaining under cover it was the hardest piece of tracking he had ever tackled the cover was dense the slope steep and tormentedly broken 
he had to be noiseless as a mink because he knew by hearsay that the ears of the mountain ram were almost as keen as an owl's and he had to keep himself perfectly out of sight which forced him to take the most difficult part of the underbrush for his path but for all this he was no longer angry he no longer heeded the flies or the heat and when the sweat streamed down into his eyes he merely wiped them cheerfully on his sleeve he felt sure now of winning the longed-for trophy of that magnificent head and of winning it moreover by his own unaided woodcraft presently through an opening in a leafy screen he caught a glimpse of a tranquilly pasturing ewe not much more than two hundred yards away she moved slowly across his narrow line of vision and vanished keyed now to the highest pitch of anticipation with every faculty concentrated on his purpose he worked his silent way onward expecting momentarily to gain a view of the great ram but there was an element in the situation which had he known it would have interfered with alan's concentration of purpose he was not the only hunter of mountain sheep in that particular corner of the mountains a shaggy and sly old silver tip as it chanced had had his eye for some time on that flock he loved mutton and he knew it was very hard to get especially for a bear he was making his approaches therefore with a stealthy craft surpassing that of pete allen himself so it came about quite naturally that he saw allen first thereupon he took every precaution that alan should not see him in this remote district the grizzlies had not yet learned the vital lesson that man is by far the most formidable of all the animals yet a rumor had come to him somehow that the insignificant creature was not to be trifled with there was something masterful in his bearing as the grizzly had observed from safe ambush on several occasions which suggested unknown powers and hitherto the old silver tip being well fed and having no special grudge against man had refrained from courting a quarrel now however he was angry this was his own game which the man was stalking this was a trespass upon his own preserves a point in regard to which the grizzly is apt to be sensitive his first impulse was to rush upon the intruder at once then a mixture of prudence and curiosity held him back or rather delayed his purpose he changed his course and began to stalk pete allen even as pete allen was stalking the sheep and high overhead in the unclouded blue a soaring eagle catching brief glimpses of the drama through the openings in the leafage gazed down upon it with unwinking scornful eyes huge and apparently clumsy as was the bulk of the bear he nevertheless made his way through the tangle as soundlessly as the man and more swiftly he drew gradually nearer and as he approached he began to forget the other game in a savage interest in this new and dangerous quarry he was not directly behind the man but now drawing nearly abreast of him on the other side of a narrow steep of grass 
he was just beginning indeed to stiffen his sinews instinctively for the final rush which should avenge the intrusion upon his range when he saw the man stop abruptly and raise something that looked like a long brown stick to his shoulder at this sight the bear stopped also his wrath not being yet quite hot enough to consume his curiosity pete allen at last had caught a clear view of the great brown ram standing at guard not a hundred yards away it was a beautiful easy shot the target isolated and framed in green he raised his rifle steadily bracing himself with his knees and feet in a precarious position before he could draw a bead however to his amazement he saw the ram bound into the air and vanish from his narrow field of vision puzzled he lowered the rifle from his shoulder as he did so that unknown and quite incalculable sense which seems to have its seat in the fine hairs on the back of one's neck and in the skin of the cheeks commanded him to turn his head he was just in time to see the giant form of the grizzly burst from the underbrush and come lunging across the strip of open confronted by such an emergency the new brunswicker fired on the instant and being quite sure of himself and the bear above him he took a difficult shot he aimed at the middle of the beast's throat trusting to sever the spinal column for he had heard that a shot straight through the heart often fails to stop the rush of a grizzly there was nothing the matter with pete allen's shooting or with his nerve but at the very fraction of a second when his finger started to pull the trigger the whimsical fates of the wilderness took a hand in the game they undermined pete allen's footing as he fired he fell and the long soft-nosed deadly bullet instead of piercing the grizzly's spine merely smashed through his right shoulder pete allen fell sprawling some eight or ten feet down the slope losing hold of his rifle in the effort to stop himself to his anxious indignation he saw the rifle strike a branch and bounce perversely a dozen feet away he scrambled for it furiously but before he could quite get his grip on it it slipped through the branches and dropped another dozen feet or so at the same time with something more near cold terror than he had ever before experienced he saw the dark bulk of the grizzly wallowing down upon him huge as a mountain staggered for a few seconds by the shock of the bullet the beast had hesitated and turned round on his tracks biting at the wound then on three legs and grunting with rage he had launched himself upon his adversary in the course of the next three seconds as he struggled toward his gun pete allen thought of a thousand things mostly unimportant but at the back of his brain was the cool conviction that this was the time when he was going to pass in his checks those brute paws would smash him before he could reach his rifle but he was wrong for again the whimsical fates interfered perceiving a chance for such a trick as they had probably never played before the great brown ram 
his eyes nearly starting from his head, came leaping madly up the narrow incline, his flock at his heels, blind with fright. In the glade below, one of the flock had just been pounced upon by a puma, and another puma had sprung out at them, but missed his kill. The ram saw the bear straight in his path, plunging across it. There was no time to change his direction, and in his panic, the peril in front was nothing to compare with the peril behind. Had the bear been a mastodon or a megatherium, it would have been all the same to the panic-stricken ram. With the madness of utter terror, he lowered his mighty head and charged this dark mass that barred his flight. The bear, blazing with vengeance, had no eyes in that moment for sheep. Suddenly something like a falling boulder crashed into his ribs, catching him with his forefeet off the ground and almost rolling him over. The breath belched out of his astonished lungs with a loud coughing grunt, and the ram went over him, spurning him with sharp hooves. The next moment the whole flock was passing over him, a bewildering bombardment of small, keen, battering hooves and woolly bodies. Recovering from his amazement, he struck out with his unwounded forepaw, caught the last unhappy ewe as she went over him, and hurled her carcass, mangled and quivering, far down the slope. Then, a little dazed, but undeterred from his vengeance, he glared about him for his original antagonist. Interesting, and indeed unparalleled as the invention of the brown ram had been, Pete Allen had not taken time to observe it with the minute care which so novel an incident was entitled to. He had been busy getting his gun. Now he had it, he did not hurry. With his shot, he was taking no chances. Just as the bear caught sight of him and started at him open-mouthed, he fired, and the animal sprawled forward, a huge furry heap with a ball through the base of his brain. Back in New Brunswick, Pete Allen had had the name of being a cool hand in a corner. In that land of tried woodsmen and daring steam drivers, he would not have gained that name without deserving it. Even as the grizzly was in the act of falling forward, Allen raised his rifle again. He covered accurately the form of the brown ram, leaping up the slope a hundred yards away. There was his trophy, the splendid horns which he had striven so hard to win within his grasp at last. But something seemed to tug suddenly at his arm. Or was it at his heart? Pete Allen had always prided himself on playing fair, in the spirit as well as in the letter. He dropped his rifle with a growl of vexation. "'It'd be a dirty trick to put a ball into ya,' he muttered. "'Seein' what a hell of a hole you just pulled me out of.'" End of The Runners of the High Peaks